Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, pretty Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Eisner Evans, Sider, and my co host, Brendan Queen. You can follow me on Twitter at EastSider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanQueen14. You can follow our Locked On Suns page if you don't have it already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys today for our Thursday episode. We have a day, or we have the Hawks actually later tonight. We're going to recap for our Friday episode. But overall, Brendan, we're going to talk about for today. It's kind of an idea we took from Bill Simmons and his podcast. I heard it also earlier with Kevin O'Connor this week uh, about their 10-game awards, like MVP, most crew player. We're not going to do that today. We're going to do our little own Locked on Sun spin on But how do you want to inform listeners about how we're going to do this? Yeah, basically, that is the thinking here. It's a nice break. The Suns obviously have been one of the teams to actually play 10 games, and they are... They have given us a lot to chew on as far as surprises, disappointments. Uh, Obviously, the thing we've been following most closely is what might change. But let's start with the most obvious one, maybe, and dive a little bit deeper into, I think, who we both will agree is is the clear frontrunner here. But uh, it's the MVP, and my vote is Devin Booker, is yours. Yeah, I would certainly agree with you there about Booker because, yeah, the way he's playing right now, he's not only an all-star, but I think right now at least an all-NBA player right now. Yeah, well, I, I want to use it as a, a reason, an excuse to to dive more into this guy because we talk about him just about every night on a game-by-game basis, but just to take a step back and appreciate the season he's putting together right now. Uh, after last night's game, so we're 10 through, like we said, from the field, 51% from three, and 93% from free throw range. We were all up in arms about the possibility of him getting past that 60 true shooting percentage, which combines all three of those efficiency marks into one metric. He's up at 66% right now. He has tailed off a little bit in terms of usage, I think, as we expected there. Just a bit, though, from 33 last year, a third of the team's possessions down to 28% ending in a Booker turnover or a Booker shot attempt. So uh, he really hasn't taken that much of a smaller role here and is still dominating and and has taken his efficiency to just a whole other level. Yeah, the efficiency is the big thing there because that's what we were talking about this year. Like what kind of leap can Devin Booker take? And it's the one where we were talking about with James Harden where once he settled into his role in Houston, his efficiency really skyrocketed. And now I think he's found the right system. I think we said a lot about a lot of players on this team just with the way Monty Williams is coaching and how the players are bought in. But especially with Booker here, he's moving the ball well. He's getting easy shots. He's making up efficient shots too. He's taking mid-range shots a little bit, but not as much as he used to because I think we're seeing a lot more threes in rhythm and also shots at the rim. And Booker somehow still burning his 50, 50, 90, and he's the only player in the league doing that. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think – I. If anything is going to to trail off there, I think it's the threes. I mean, it just would be pretty crazy to see a guy. He is at, at lower volume than someone like Steph Curry or James Harden, but we don't see, you know, legit top-level playmakers shoot over 50% from three. I'm not saying he won't do it. I, I, I Obviously, he's done it through 10 games here, but that seems like the one that could fall off. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, but I think what it goes to show you, though, at least through this sample size of 10 games, is that I think Devin might be a legit candidate this year for 50-40-90, along with being a, an all-star and maybe even a 
a player who averages 25 plus points per game that's a, that's a special kind of season there if he's still putting up these kind of numbers close to it where would you put his odds right now to be an all-star what i put at least 75 percent. yeah it feels like you know all-star is one thing all nba is another if we're just talking about all-star you they, the the team success thing they don't have to be a great team by you know february when the voting closes for him to make the all-star team so we see players from outside the playoff hunt make that game all the time. I think the Suns were just a little too far out of it and tanking in the past for him to be considered, but I do think he's going to be right up there. And, you know, they're also helped out by some of the top just overall players in the West, maybe not being where we might have expected, whether that's Zion, who could have been a sneaky candidate for the for the All-Star game, or just some of the injuries to guys like Curry, who who won't be in there either. So I think the table is set, not only with the way he's playing, but with the way the the chips are, are kind of falling for him, that, that he will probably be in the game, which will be a ton of fun uh, to finally see that guy. We've gotten the little snippets of him in the three-point contest, or the rookie uh, sophomore game, or even Derek Jones in the dunk contest, but the real deal will be a lot of fun to see. Uh, the other one I wanted to do here, though, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, just from the actual NBA awards, I think that's one that is kind of interesting here. Um, I feel like it's obvious usually to go with a big man, but but who do you see as the most important defensive piece right now? That's a tough one because I, I kind of I don't know if we can do co-MVP or not, but if I had to pick one, I guess I'd get Ricky Rubio, but Aaron Baines is not far behind for me because I just feel like those two guys are so vital to the defensive turnaround this year. And I think especially Rubio, he had his way against De'Aaron Fox game one. He shut down Fox. Kyrie Irving, I know he had a, 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 a mediocre kind of game, I feel like, and that's all because Ricky Rubio and the, the kind of damage he did to him defensively, and he had a great game offensively against Kyrie too. Also, Aaron Baines, I know I don't know if it's going to be your guy, Brennan, but the way he played against Ben Simmons against Philadelphia, then the way he's also just been a, an anchor defensively. We saw it a, a couple times last night against Dwight Howard, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Just the, the way he can go up on verticality I think is super special. So I don't know if I can do co-MVP for that kind of award, but I, I think I would go with Rubio if I had to pick one. No, I think that's uh, that was the other guy I had in mind. I think I would give the advantage to Baines just because I think – Big men defensively are just more important. Um, you know, I I think the way this team plays defense, an, a claim could be made that the big man isn't maybe as important as a team like Philadelphia or Utah that just rely on that guy back there in Embiid or Gobert to just corral everything. I think the way that the Suns operate with having that early help show toward the ball and you know, just having the dedication to closing back out to shooters and rotating behind the ball and, and helping the helper and all that stuff that they've just really clicked with as a team so far, maybe that could be the case against Baines where he isn't actually as vital because they're not making it that way. But I just think in general, despite the way that the team scheme is helping him, he's just been so smart about operating within that where, yes, there is help before he gets there there are bodies even in front of Baines before the ball handler gets to the basket but his ability to be that last line of defense and and block shots and uh, you know even just hold his own in the post or hold his own one-on-one against like you said someone like Ben Simmons just the versatility combined with the sturdiness at the rim I think puts him there but 
What's crazy, the stat that I wanted to bring up here is Baines is actually, in terms of on-off for the defense, the defense is 11 points worse when Aaron Baines is on the floor, uh, which is continuing a a trend of the starters um, defending worse than the bench units or than some of the kind of combined bench starting units. So that is really interesting, especially when you compare it to the guy you said, Ricky Rubio, who in 286 minutes, and a lot of those coming with Baines, the defense is five points better with him on the court. So those lineups with Rubio and bench pieces seem to be clicking a lot better than when he's on the court with Baines, which uh, maybe that's another tally in the column for Rubio. Yeah, it's interesting the way you put it, though, because... Why do you think that is? Because I know we've seen maybe the Suns have the better end of the second unit so far as far as bigs maybe not doing well. But why do you think that is that that number is so, so off, I feel like, from the eye test with Baines? Yeah, it is it is weird. Um, I think one is Rubio has played with, those, with some bench units uh, more than other starters would on other teams or even, you know, somebody like Booker on this team is. So maybe just the idea that Obviously, bench bench offenses on opposing teams aren't going to be as good. That's one of the, the things you always have to think about with on-off numbers. Uh, Ubre though, is right behind Rubio with the, off, the defense being 4.5 points better when he's on the court. So those two guys have been positive, but then right behind them is Frank Kaminsky. So with Kaminsky at center defensively, those, those groups have defended really well relative to the rest of the team. So... As as incredible as it is, I think Kaminsky has held up and, and they've been able to shut down opposing benches. So maybe Rubio playing with those guys a little more is helping his case. But it is something to continue to watch because it just doesn't seem to back up what we see. Yeah, that that really is kind of like a stats versus eye test kind of case there. And it will be something to watch moving forward because we've seen the impact not only Rubio makes defensively, but certainly Baines as we've seen the last the last few games in the first 10 games of the season especially because those two offseason additions by James Jones I think were very key to this turnaround for the Suns so far but anything else Brandon, in this awards category when to go for the first for the first segment here no let's move on I got a couple more all right let's dive into our 10 game awards here for the Phoenix Suns before we do so I want to just remind you guys to subscribe to Locked on Suns on whatever, whatever platform you're listening to whether it's Bright Side of the Sun iTunes Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher all the platforms, Locked on Suns is on for you guys, and we'd really appreciate a five-star review and a written review as well if you if you have the time to do so. It really helps us out, and I hope you guys enjoy the, the coverage we have this season. As the Suns continue to improve, we're going to continue to improve here on the podcast for Locked on Suns. So we're with you guys five days a week throughout the season and three days throughout the offseason if you guys remember our format. So just want to remind you guys to subscribe to our podcast. I appreciate everyone listening. Okay, so... <clears throat> The next place I want to go from an award standpoint here is let's do biggest surprises and biggest disappointment. Uh, we touched on this. I think we've we've done a lot of the surprises and when we've talked about what might be sustainable versus not sustainable on this team. But just from a, it doesn't even have to be a player standpoint, but something schematically, some guy doing some skill at a higher level than we had seen in the past. Just what what kinds of Little things like that um, have have surprised you the most that have led to this six and four start here. I feel like this is a cop out answer, but Aaron Baines becoming a fifty percent three point shooter is pretty shocking to me. So yeah. I think that's who I'd go with as far as the biggest development. I think the biggest key to them winning so far because I think Baines' spacing 
and just his automatic ability right now from the outside is really helping this team get points on the board. And he's been up 16 points per game so far this year, which is incredible. And I think I saw Chris Herring, who's been a guest on our show the last couple of weeks. I, I, I saw him tweet about Aaron Baines and mentioning him as a possible most improved player of the year can but keeps his up. And I totally agree with him because you go with a, a career role player who's now averaging 25 minutes per game, putting up almost 20 points per game and shooting 50% for the three. If he still maintains Brent, and he's even a 40% three-point shooter and puts up, let's say, 12 and 12 and 4 the rest of the season, I think that's still a most improved player canon, especially going to be age 33 next month. That's a, that's a shocking development around the league, I think. Yeah, and that was the reason I didn't want to do most improved is because I think it's just so clearly Baines. And uh, the shooting, I think, is exactly the right thing to key in on from him. Uh, just I feel like it, it definitely is sustainable at this point, in my opinion. It's it The sample size is, you know, compared to other seasons of his career, he's been bombing away, which leads me to believe that just that confidence, comfort, the way he's doing it from above the break and the way that he's – it hasn't been hot and cold. He's been very consistent over the course of the year. He's already taken 44. He took all – he took 61 all of last season, and as you – mentioned I think on last night's podcast he's already made one more than he did all last year so he won't be 50 percent just like I don't think that Devin Booker will be at 50 percent from three all season but uh, above average I think is is definitely fine to pencil in for him Um, one of my biggest surprises is just Kelly Oubre continuing to have the level of defensive impact that he did last year Um, I think this scheme is really working for him I think the length and uh, athleticism that he has is is taken advantage of by the way this team plays defense. We haven't seen him necessarily soaring in for blocks like he did last year as a in really playing a lot of four, but just generally I think kind of the off-ball lapses and things that we were worried about with him have been mitigated by uh, kind of just asking to be a more to, – to help – in a more kind of planned out way. I think that's one of the things that's helping these young guys succeed in this defense is like they don't just have to read the floor and react and rotate. They're they're kind of doing it ahead of time and being able to script it out a little bit more. And I, I wonder if that's part of why Ubre has been able to keep it up. But I think a lot of it is just uh, a testament to, to the work that he's put in there. And he's gotten better over the course of his career. And he showed that the impact he had on that end of the floor last year wasn't fake. And, and he's doing it again right now. Yeah, that's certainly a, a good sign if you want to keep Kelly Oubre long-term on this team because the the post-All-Star break stats he put up as far as defensively, we thought maybe couldn't maintain. We had Josh Lloyd on, our fancy basketball expert here on Locked On, and he talked about why that might not be sustainable, but it seems like it is so far. And I think overall, just goes to show you, like you mentioned there, Brennan, just his activity and his energy defensively. It's really surprising, too, because he's still averaging a block per game, and like we mentioned as well last night, I believe, like you don't really notice that much because it just seems like it's just natural to him now to have this kind of defensive ability. And that's a good sign, like I mentioned, long-term for the Suns and they want to keep him around. But I just want to throw in a bonus here, Brennan, as far as this category goes. And that's Cam Johnson because I think we both were kind of surprised so far about the way he's held up, not only offensively but defensively too. Because he was even checking LeBron James last night, doing well there. And also his shooting. He's shooting 46% over the last three or four games when he's had actual legitimate rotation minutes. So he's definitely a sharpshooter from day one. I was so I have a a question and I was going to frame it as in terms of Cam's confidence but I don't even think that's the right word because I think guys like Marquise Chris or Josh Jackson have had plenty of confidence but do you think Cam is the most poised rookie this team's had since you've been around the team Oh 100% yeah I, I would totally agree with Yeah that. just talking to him last night like 
it wasn't that he was unfazed or cocky in any way, but I think he just has a a certain level of belief in himself, belief in in teamwork and those types of things. He just fits so perfectly into this culture and this group and the way they want to play that I think the the level of comfort and poise that he already has is going a long way for him. Uh, I don't think I, I wanted to ask him if he expected to close the game last night, but. I, guys don't really give answers on stuff like that, but I can't imagine he he had any any thought that he would be closing a game against the best team in the West last night, and he and he did fine. He did a, better than I would have expected in that situation. Oh, certainly agree with you there. The way he played last night, I think, continues to prove that my point of been hammering the last couple, of, really the last week or so on the podcast that with the with how valuable he is on the offensive end and how he is improving it seemingly defensively in a team oriented system that that Monolith's put together here i think he's on his way to earning 20 to 25 minutes per game maybe even more than that because we saw it last night when he's hot from from offense and he's actually holding his own defensively Brian, i just don't see how you can take him out of the game all right biggest disappointment uh, again we can go a certain skill a certain uh, decision or player or whatever you're thinking here, who's been the biggest disappointment to you on this team? It's a tough one because it really hasn't been many disappointments so far, so to say. But if I had to pick one, I would probably go with Czech Diallo just because I think we both thought, maybe this just goes to show you how improved Frank Kaminsky has been to our expectations this year, but I think we both might have thought that Diallo beat out Kaminsky in camp because I think just the athlete that he is, but it just seemed like in the minutes he had in preseason and in the minutes he's had in garbage time so far this year, he just doesn't seem ready. He just doesn't seem like a good fit for this kind of team. Yeah, and, and this, just to preface, because you brought Diallo up, this is not, you know, I'm not reading into it. I'm not pretending to know why or how it's happening, but um, Diallo, I think there is something to be said that, that this situation is different than what he was planning to to be a part of. Um, not in a negative way, obviously they're winning games, but just individually for him, uh, this is a guy who is, as as the media is led into shoot around, led into practice, led into the locker room, pretty consistently you can expect to see Check on his way out, um, and that again it, it, it's he's not playing, so there is there is only so much that you can expect from him, but. I don't think that he is the the vibes from him are not quite as positive as the rest of the group and that that is frustrating I'm sure because it's a guy who was playing for the past 2 years on a Pelicans team that had a lot of young talent and was kind of coalescing a little bit a lot of those guys stay around this year with Zion and all of, all of the Lakers pieces and and Check does not and and now comes in and he's basically the 14th man on this roster so I'm sure he's frustrated. That is a good one for disappointment. My, again, it is a little bit of grading on a curve. I'll, I'll throw two out here. Uh, just Tyler Johnson from an aggressiveness standpoint, I don't think you can fault him uh, just at a surface level. Like he's been perfectly fine. We've seen strong moments from him in a couple games here, but I expected him to be a consistent double digit scorer for this team on a nightly basis. And he hasn't been that so far. The bench on a few different occasions already has been the reason that they have lost games, I think. And he just needs to be the leader of that group. And I think he is. I think he takes that role really seriously. I think he's just still finding that balance and hasn't been able to yet. The other one is Mikhail Bridges as a shooter. One we've talked about quite a bit here already. But just uh, if there was any skill you were hoping when you think about this team three years down the road to have uh, get a little better or in, in 
even more optimistic view a lot better it would have been Mikhail's shooting and it's gotten worse so that is disappointing and he's looked a little more comfortable I would say over the past couple games taking those shots but still only three of 15 on the season let me ask you this is a theory that's popped in my head and maybe this is not the case at all because we've already talked multiple times how good of a fit Cam Johnson is into the system but do you think maybe the Suns realized during the season last year maybe during early part of this summer that that Mikhail might not be what they thought he was at Villanova as far as his shooting goes and they maybe got Cam and maybe like they let on to Cam a little bit just because his shooting is so valuable maybe they're trying to fill that role a little bit if Mikhail's not going to be that 40% three-point shooter like we thought he would be yeah I mean I don't I think that they probably just liked Cam that much regardless and I think they see that wing trio as as super interchangeable and we've seen that already um, but I do think that it it is interesting to consider just generally um, where you you brought this up I think this week already of like where and how does Mikhail fit into this type of structure on a team where everybody can shoot if he can't it, it, it that is that is interesting to me because he's also not really a guy that can have the ball in his hands he's probably even worse at that so. What does he do on the floor offensively besides cutting and kind of moving without the ball to provide value there? And we've seen, I think, him not maybe get as many minutes as we expected as a result of that. So it already is, I think, starting to creep into the decision-making process by Monty. And I don't want to see this, but it wouldn't be crazy to to see it affect the way that the front office thinks about him as a part of this team. I mean, it is early, but uh, as we go through the rest of the year, if he's if he's a drastically worse shooter than last year when he was already below average uh two years into his career and he's about to turn 24 I think that that is the kind of thing that has to play into how you build out your team so I think that might be the single most disappointing thing to me so far this year on a in a in a year of a lot of positives no yeah that's a good one Brennan because we talked about before about Mikhail and just how disappointing it is. His offensive game really hasn't grown like we thought it would this year. Cause I think physically he's gained a little bit as far as muscular, like muscular mass goes. For but sure. I, I really don't see how or why his offensive game hasn't improved like we thought it would. Cause we saw Bonovo, he had a high usage in his final year there and he was just fine in that primary secondary role. And just so far it doesn't seem comfortable against NBA athletes going against really just trying to go up against those kind of guys right now outside of just shooting the ball and really cutting like you mentioned there Brennan but let me ask you this because I haven't had a chance to look at it as far as minutes per game but I'd have to believe that over the last three or four games that Cam's been averaging four minutes per game than McHale and I like you mentioned I do wonder if this continues if Cam gets more comfortable in the system and McHale does not improve shooting wise that McCam continues to get more minutes than McHale. Yeah I just think on this team Cam's offense is more valuable than McHale's defense you know and so the fact that that Johnson is somebody who can spot up and you trust him to knock down those shots. And he's probably not quite as smart off the ball as McHale, but, but really close. He was, that was one of his strengths at North Carolina aside from shooting that made him stand out when you watched him is how smart he was getting open, relocating and, and clearing out space for his teammates. So uh, that's already there and he's adequate on defense, passable on defense. Then I think that decision's pretty easy and they're really, they're basically the same age. So we think of Mikhail as being a veteran because he has an extra year on Cam, but we know Cam is plenty old already and, and ready physically to play in the NBA. So that battle will be interesting. And Kelly Oubre kind of threw him in, himself in that mix too of 
of what might happen with the Wings as uh, he struggled so much against the Lakers. But uh, one game for him, maybe not time to worry yet. But uh, that actually segues pretty well into the next the next couple categories we can close out on, which is uh, who we're buying stock on and who we're selling stock on as we look to the next set of 10 games, but really the next 72. Before we do that, uh, a reminder about our sponsor of today's show, which is MyBookie. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. That's on Thanksgiving Day. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk and all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come and play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet, but you have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join during this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. All you have to do is log into mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDONNBA, as always, and mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in the action with my bookie. You play, you win, and you get paid. Okay, so as I alluded to a moment ago, let's close out here with a couple rapid-fire future bets. Who are we buying stock on? Who are we selling stock on? Let's start with the negatives. Let's close out with the positives. So who are you selling stock on right now? A guy who you just can't trust for the next 70 games. Ooh, Man, this is a tough one because everyone's been doing so well, really. But I'm just going to base off consistency. I know he had a great game last night, but just basing it off numbers, and we're expecting DeAndre and to be a key cog in this rotation, really the offense once he returns in December. I'm selling stock on Frank Kaminsky just because I don't see minutes for him, and especially if Aaron Baines keeps us up. That's fair. Um, and we can go with skill sets and, and like individual statistical anomaly stuff too here uh, as far as what we're selling on. I, I think that's a good one. I think we've all kind of been waiting for Frank to fall off here. But again, we went over the defense and how it's holding up. And uh, the, the the scoring came alive a little bit against the Lakers at a, in a game where they really needed him. So uh, I, I tend to, to agree with you. If you had to pick anyone, it probably is going to be him, especially with Javon Carter falling out of the rotation now. Um, but I also agree with you that it, it feels hard to pinpoint anyone because I think just uh, this team kind of turning into something greater than the sum of its parts makes it so that you really don't have to worry about one guy playing over his head and falling off at all. I don't really expect that here. Um, But one kind of maybe statistical quirk right now that would make me nervous is Ricky Rubio shooting 40% from three. Uh, if I had to sell stock on something on this team, I think that's a pretty good place to start. I know he shot the ball incredibly well during the FIBA World Cup. He's acknowledged that that was a big help for him to get the confidence this year. He's been taking him off the bounce. He's been taking him without hesitation, spotting up. I think he looks comfortable there, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it continued. But uh, the FIBA World Cup line is 
shorter than the NBA line, and we've just never seen him shoot like this. So that would be one thing that I would want to maybe not sell all my stock, but if I had 50 shares, I might sell 25 of them. That's a fair one because I, I, he's not going to be a 40% three-point shooter. I, I think fans and uh, too, is the way how inconsistently he shoots the ball. There's no way that's going to keep up. I think he's more so along the lines of a 33% three-point shooter, I'd imagine. If it regressed down to that point, I think that's still okay for this team. Yeah, I mean, even even Kelly after a hot start is down to 35%. If if him and Ricky can both be 35%, which is below average for you know league average, but still a number that I think puts you in the game plan as somebody you can't just leave alone completely, especially because they're both willing to shoot. Uh, I think, I think that would still really allow the team to, to operate at a high level. But uh, what about buying stock? What do you think will happen that we haven't seen yet that you want to get in on early? I'm buying all the stock I can on Cam Johnson right now just because I'm super impressed with the way it's the, the moment's not too big for him. I mean, that's probably obvious and probably that's why the Suns got onto him early because he's a fifth-year senior. He's going to be 24 this year. He's very, very poised in the role, and he's a very good player at that. He's an underrated defender from what we've seen so far. He's holding his own surprising against NBA athletes in positions two through four, which he's really multi, multi-fast already defensively, which really surprised me. But he's taking that challenge head on. He really loves the challenge. You mentioned to us last night in the locker room. And also his three-point shooting. He's going to be a 40% three-point shooter off the bat, 46% his last three games with regular rotation minutes. So, He's very lethal with starters, too. Like, playing alongside Booker, like, it's impossible. If you're playing, putting him in the corner, and you have Booker and Rubio, or so, Booker and Baines doing a pick and roll, I don't know who you're, you're going to really really guard off that or really leave open there. And that's why Cam Johnson is going to continue to thrive in the system. And I'm buying all the stock account on him, because I really feel like he could be a player that gets close to 30 minutes per game in maybe March. Yeah, I'll go with the other rookie. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Ty Jerome here, a guy we haven't seen on the court even, and I, I still really believe in. Um, I just think watching this team now for 10 games, we can. it's so easy to see how the guy we watched at Virginia will fit into this, and we know how excited they were about him uh, during the preseason, and obviously that Monday, just before the first game of the year, sprains his right ankle, but I think you know that injury doesn't really worry me long term. Maybe he takes a few games to round into form here, just like Cam Johnson did. But uh, I think he will. I think offensively he will fit in like like he never left the court. So he is somebody that I think if when you talk about just kind of what what's going to happen going forward, he's going to be a part of this team, and and he obviously hasn't been yet. Uh, and just generally too, I think he can help the offense quite a bit and when we you know the second unit's been such a problem for them uh their offense is third in the nba right now it's probably too much to think or wait no let me see yeah third third over the last two weeks and third overall here uh, according to cleaning the glass it i don't think they're going to get higher than that probably but he'll at least allow them to weather the storm when you know a tyler johnson doesn't have it going kelly Oubre doesn't have it going yeah i am really excited to see ty drum in this rotation because I found it surprising, or not really, maybe not surprising, because they've been openly high on Ty Jerome ever since they drafted him. But Monty Williams off the cuff last night, his post game presser mentioned we're missing Ty Jerome, and I think I mentioned it to you in the locker room as well last night. We were waiting for to, to interview some players that I think Monty is waiting for Ty Jerome to get back. Is that rotation spot's waiting for him? Yeah, he's he's mentioned him several times. He was kind of asked um, another question as he's been asked a lot of times at this point of uh, just what he how he would evaluate the team and he said well it's honestly hard for me to do because Aiton hasn't been on the floor and Ty Jerome hasn't been on the floor just the fact that he named him there as a a piece that has to be out there to 
to fully evaluate the roster means that he sees him as a big part of the roster. So we've known that for a while, but reiterated it again yesterday. And, you know, miss still missing games, but I think he is getting close. He's been out there taking shots on the practice court and uh, participating lightly in practice from what we can tell. So that's good news and obviously just awaiting his return. Yeah, just a couple more here, Brian. I wanted to throw in some bonus ones here for a second. I'm buying all the stock account Aaron Baines being a legit three-point shooter right now. I think it's not going to be 50%, of course, but I think maybe 40% around there. I, I don't know why teams still 10 games in the season, Brian. They're not guarding him off pick and rolls when he sags back and Rubio drives in. Like Every single time, he's wide open off that, and I don't understand why teams aren't aren't guarding him yet. But I think he's going to be a legit 40% three-point shooter and a legitimate most improved player of the year candidate if he keeps up these minutes. I think he'll, he'll probably play around 20 minutes per game once Aiden's back, I imagine, with the type of production. But I also want to throw in Brandon another bonus here. I'm buying all the stock account Devin Booker taking the leap from star to superstar because of just the way he's playing so far and how efficient he's playing and how team-oriented it is. I think we're seeing our leap out of Booker right now. Yeah, I'll say Booker's defense, too, would be one for me that I think will will hold up. I don't know if it'll get better, so maybe, uh, maybe it's just a – a little bit of buyer's remorse here that I didn't buy the stock and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get some now where it can uh, continue to earn some money for me. But I, I just, I think that's real. It was always a question of will the effort be the difference when he's around better teammates? And the answer has been yes so far. Yeah, that's the, the big impressive one for Booker so far, along with his superstar efficiency, the defense is, is coming along. And that's the big, the big growth point we were talking about all throughout the summer, Brian, is that if Booker wants to take a leap and this team wants to be better, he has to be a better defender. We're definitely seeing after the first 10 games of the season where the Phoenix Suns are 6-4. and four. But any other words you want to give out, Brennan, or we through the entire list here? No, I think that's all I had. Hope you guys had fun with that. Uh, another winnable game against the Hawks tomorrow, so it should be fun. Yeah, Atlanta Hawks come into town. Trey Young just put 42 points against the Denver Nuggets, so I think it's going to be a really fun match between Trey Young and Dem Booker. But until then, guys, we'll talk to you again live. Talk to you as Rotary for every home game, and we'll talk to you guys then after the Atlanta Hawks game.